We are now on episode 4. How did I make it to episode 4? I have no idea. But hello and welcome. Today we're talking to Eileen Rose, an American cosplayer who, if you've seen on TikTok, there's a video of Michael Rooker meeting someone dressed as Mary Poppins. She's the Mary Poppins, and we had a really interesting conversation about that as well. And hope you all enjoy. Hi. Hi. Oh, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Goodness. My Wi-Fi's been my Wi-Fi's been really bad recently, so I wasn't sure if I was actually going to get connected. Yeah, my um, internet, I'm afraid, is pretty poor down here too. But um, I'm glad it. I'm glad it worked. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've switched to mobile data on my phone, so I, I'm improvising. Same here. Same here. I'm hoping that works. <laughs> ah, good minds think alike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how are you? I, I'm pretty good. Um, I mean, it's about four o'clock over here, so I'm about ready for dinner. <laughs> I mean, it's five past nine here in Scotland, and it's actually pitch black. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, still it's still bright, bright as any outside, so pretty interesting, huh? <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, the only thing I think when I see it being pitch black in the middle of September is, well, the guys in Game of Thrones were right. Winter is coming. <laughs> I mean, fair. I was born in the winter, so I like the cold weather a lot, which is really, really weird. Um, but I also live in New England where the winters are probably the hardest in the United States. So we get, like, borderline canadian winters it's not Ooh. as bad as a canadian winter so like you see a lot of snow for them but um when i was a kid i used to have snowstorms so bad that you could not see cars driving down the street because the snow banks were that high i mean like that, they would disappear on the roads here in scotland like we rarely actually get a lot of snow like sometimes at christmas We'll be lucky if we like get a uh, like weather announcement telling us there's a chance of snow, but it won't happen. But when I was in high school, um, I'll probably talk to Sean about this. But um, when we uh, had like our really bad days of snow, when the roads got closed, we prayed that schools would be closed as well, just so we don't have to walk all the way to school. And we got like I think it was maybe like three days off. That was the wow. longest off because of snow. But that's, I think that's the longest I've ever had to stay off of anything um, in regards to the weather. Because obviously, like, last in the last year or so, college and universities and all that, everything with COVID-19 really affected that. So I wouldn't really count that. But it's, when it comes Actually, to the weather here, yeah. like, snow is rare. But whenever we get, you're saying, like, you get, like, really cold weather in the winter. Our mm-hmm. summer... Our summer is like a mild winter for you because if we get a sunny day, we think it's the end of the world. That's always cold here. Wow. <laughs> I've always wanted to travel up um, to, to Scotland to see what it's like up there. Um, just because culturally I've really enjoyed um, everything I've kind of come across as a kid. Um, I, I know they're very different, but um, I'm very tied to my Irish heritage as well. And I found out that I am equal parts Irish and Scottish. 
which is yeah. quite fun. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I've, I've always wanted to take a trip to visit the, the more Celtic roots that I have. Um, I was an Irish step dancer for 10 years um, when I was younger. And it wasn't until a uh, minor injury that I needed minor surgery. I had to retire. I think I was 14 or 15 when I had to retire as a dancer. Can I ask what you do? What you did? What you do? Oh, um, what I did, what the injury was? Yeah, what happened? Yeah. Okay. So I don't know how familiar you are with Irish step dance, if at all. (laughs) Okay. So there is, um, it is a lot of footwork and ankle work. And the historic reason for that is there is no upper body movement in Irish dance. Um, Very, very minimal, very, very basic, if anything. Um, And that is because when England occupied Ireland, dancing was forbidden and what what uh the irish would do is they would knock down doors and things like that and they would dance on the doors but they would only move their feet they wouldn't move their upper bodies so that if any english soldiers were watching through the windows they couldn't see them doing anything so they couldn't get in trouble um that being said uh as a dancer after years and years of doing it, all the muscles and ligaments in my ankles became very, very loose. And I am notorious for being extremely clumsy. (laughs) So I would, I would jump into leaps and do things. Typical dancer should have no problem doing. And I would put all the weight on the outside of the balls of my feet which is really not what you're supposed to do so with all the weight on the side of my foot and the side of my foot not able to hold that weight my ankles would buckle and it would actually send me falling to the floor I did that so bad I took all of the ligaments on the side of my right ankle and detached them all from the Uh. Yeah, <laughs> it's not a it's not a fun story. Um, I can sit and laugh about it now because it's been a good five or six years. It's probably even more than that now, but um, it's it's funny to me now. But whenever I tell the story, it's interesting the reactions I get because of that. Um, I also had I had what's called an invulsion fracture, and uh, on top of everything else what had happened was when the ligaments had detached, it had taken a small shrapnel of bone off of one of the bones in my ankle. So I had a small piece of bone that would float in my ankle as well. That would cause a lot of pain. Ow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you ever wanted to do Irish step dancing, I'm going to tell you now, wrap your ankles and be careful because that was, um, it was 10 years in the don't get me wrong it was years and years of repeated abuse but it was not fun i spent my um my summer my sophomore summer in a boot and a cast because i had surgery halfway through the summer 
what, what, um, like what year is sophomore? Because like for um, like folk in the UK, we don't get things like sophomore and things like we just get like we're in primary school and then we're in high school. So I don't know. Yeah. With that, it's, we, it's... Um, we only get a few years at high school. It's just you're starting with um, pupils and then you've got senior pupils, which is like the last few years of high school. Right. Um. So that would be 10th grade for us. Yeah, 10th grade for us. Because freshman year is ninth grade. Yeah. So it's, it's high school. It's the second year of high school for us. Right, okay. I mean, so high, I was like, high school for me was just huh? boring for me. High school for me was just boring. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was my second... I was going into my second year of high school. I was about 14, 15. Damn. Well, yeah, that, that, that's not a very good way to spend your summer. Um, no, it really wasn't. Um, but I mean, with the same token, if I had never had that happen to me, I never would have found my voice instructor that I work mm-hmm. with now. I've been working with her since the spring of my tenth grade year, and since then I've had. I honestly, it without her, um, the things I do with cosplay, theater, none of it would have happened. Well, I, mean, I guess it's in a way it's um, a blessing in disguise, then, wasn't it? Absolutely, everything <laughs> reason. So, even though the reasons don't always make sense, eventually they do. It was a rather painful blessing in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very painful blessing. Um, I I still regret a lot of it um a lot of you know the not paying attention the not when i should have because i'm 23 and they still bother me both of my ankles do uh, but it also reminds me of what i've accomplished so i guess in a way it's it makes itself worth it because it was not easy what I could do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, with um, injuries like that, does it not like affect you when you're like trying to do dancing or in, like regular dancing or things like that? Because that, if you're going into, say you're going into a theatre for a musical or something, there's going to be a lot of footwork required there. Um, yes and no. Um, so the fun thing with it is, it bothers me in day to day life, not just theatre. In theatre. I was never good at walking in heels anyway, but because of the surgeries that I've had to correct the issues with my ankles, now if I'm in heels for more than like a couple hours, usually you'll see my ankles start to swell up at the um, the incision site just because the ligaments, the way that it was fixed is they were actually folded in on themselves and then reattached. So any strain on them is going to cause swelling. I come from a very medical household, so terminology and um, explanations like this make a lot of sense to me. <laughs> to me, like if you mention something, if I recognize it, it's probably going to be from like Chicago Med or something like that. That's the only way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so even just walking in heels is kind of rough for me after a while. Like I said, my balance isn't all that great anyway, so walking in heels is never a good idea. 
Um, I'm fortunate enough to be tall, so I don't usually need to be in tall heels. But I mean, it's fine because I, 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 I'm not really that good in heels either. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> but as for theater, um, I, when I was younger, I did have one issue that I had because of the surgeries that I had had, but it wasn't really because of dancing per se I was in a school production a a Shakespeare production and the director that I had was very unhappy with the entire cast this was in my last year of high school and she got so mad at us that she demanded we all run laps around the theater in our character shoes so character shoes um, for women typically have like a two-inch heel on them. So she made us run laps around the theater in two-inch heels. And when she finally told me I could stop, I took one look at my foot and could not see the crossband of the shoes because my foot Ooh. was that swollen. I had to immediately take them off. It was that bad. That that sounds graphic and painful at the same time. <laughs> it um, was it was not fun for sure. Um, I never did a show with that director again, specifically because I was like, I think I would rather have my feet working when I graduate high school, as opposed to um, potentially needing to saw them off at the ankle. Um, I mean, it's it's still a thought every day, but, you know, it's a lot easier than it, it used to be. I mean, just you saying that running about a stage in two-inch heels, to be honest, that just sounds like seeing the funniest running from everyone ever. <laughs> it was It was very amusing to watch, but when you know you're in trouble, that makes it less funny. So the entire cast was in trouble at that point. We, we were all not where we were supposed to be. And because of that, she was, she was really mad at us. And you could just see it on her face that she was not happy. So even when I was able to stop running and watching everybody else run, as comical as it is for me to sit and think about, at the time, it was really terrifying. I mean, uh, uh, the last... Um, like director that I ever worked with was he was um, directing our exam at college, which I should clarify I failed this exam. Um, <laughs> but he he was like he can be serious when he needs to, but he could also be like, really really funny. Like he could come out with a couple of one liners that if we're just we're looking stressed or we're just we look like we we're, we're struggling, he'll say something or like try something funny and it will make you feel better even though you've got like there's a lot of pressure in the moment mm-hmm. but if he needs you to like to snap into focus he'll he'll be serious like he'll be like right you've got to do this right focus but even if you want like to like start your line again he's okay with it as long as you don't try and restart your line about 20 times which I mean I think I'd ask for a line about three times yeah I mean Calling line is never, never super frowned upon, 
when you're in the rehearsal process but we were also like less than a week from show and it was Shakespeare so they had to be it had to be as close to the source material as possible if not word for word specifically because of the fact that it was Shakespeare and she was getting really really mad at some of the leads in particular because they weren't off book and we were days from opening so that that's why we got in trouble I mean for me in my exam I, I think it was Oliver Twist it, so it's not it's not Shakespeare but it's right up there with good acting and good writing but oh, yeah. I, I was absolutely horrible I can't even remember who I played I think I played some sort of like big fat guy I, I honestly couldn't <laughs> I couldn't tell you who I played to save my life honestly I rem- I know someone played Oliver and that's about it I can't remember the guy's name who played Oliver so that's not very <laughs> helpful but at least I remember that Oliver exists there's a good start yeah. well but, I mean, um, knowing no, your show is probably a good place to be <laughs> yeah well 16 year old me at college could not care less and I kind of screwed that up myself that's all right but, oh, everyone you, that makes the, mistakes th- that was the La- that year, or it was maybe the year after at college, was actually the last year where I'd done um, any sort of singing in front of someone outside of mm-hmm. like getting drunk and doing karaoke. And there was, um, you ever heard of the Bonnie and Clyde musical? Yes, I, um, I've actually you know had the, a friend who was in that. Oh, you know um, his song, This World Will Remember Me? Yes. yes. I was given that to sing in front, like to practice with one of with the um, like the music. Well, the, the, one of the tutors who specialises in voice. And like I, I've still got that song on my phone. I've not practised it in ages because I don't see any point. But mm-hmm. if I decided to go into theatre and I got the opportunity to do anything, I would definitely go in for Bonnie and Clyde because I half the time, if that comes on in my shuffled music on my phone, I will put like about 400% effort in it when I'm in the shower. <laughs> that's but that's the fun thing with theater um that's one of the things that i enjoy with it is when you have those particular songs that are just everything to you and you pour your heart and your soul into them that's that's the best part of it that's where you actually can feel the emotions of the singer for me right now that particular song would be pulled from the adams family i have been using that song uh, for the past at least good couple months, my studio recently did a showcase where that was my solo piece. And a couple months before that, we- and I was top of the school with that song. Cool. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you say that things about putting a lot of effort, but I kind of think about it and I realize that I put a lot more effort into my singing of that particular song in the shower instead of the effort I should have put in during my college exam for acting when I'd done all of a twist. <laughs> Look, hindsight's twenty twenty. You uh, you find you find that kind of thing happens. <laughs> you get more into something later in life than you did when you really should have put everything like, into it. If I, somehow, if I won the lottery and I was able to go and like afford like the tuition and all that for college I'd go back on that course and I would probably put as much effort in it as I could besides mm-hmm. like keeping days off for work since I work night shifts. So it would be really, really annoying. But, <laughs> oh, 
I, I, I don't see any options to go back, but I know there's local theatre groups for me, but I just feel like, you know, with work, chances are I probably wouldn't be able to attend it that much, depending on the date. Well, that's the other thing. When you for shows, like I just had um, an audition for a theatre company recently, you tell them ability, you go through the audition, and then if they can work with you, that's when they reach out again if they'd like to see you back for another character or if they'd like you to be part of the ensemble they generally will try to work with you if they think you are someone worth being in the show you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take so if you never go out and try you never know what companies are willing to work around I mean, I've not had someone. I've never actually had someone actually use that quote. I've seen it written. I've seen people take the neck out of it, but I've never actually heard someone use it. I get told that a lot because I get very anxious about going on auditions and doing things of that nature. Um, actually, I almost chickened out when I met Michael Rooker about singing for him. I was so close to not saying anything and just walking away. And I was sitting there uh, talking in my own head. And I was like, look, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it. So I swallowed my pride and did it. And it was one of the best decisions I ever made. So while you were in your Mary Poppins cosplay, wasn't it? Hmm? That's what she had Mary Poppins cosplay, wasn't it? Yes, yes. My most famous cosplay, actually. <laughs> it's I the mean, one everyone knows me by. I mean, everyone know the last guest that I had, Courtney, a lot of people know her for her um, male cosplays from Descendants. So we, we all mm -hmm. have something to know for. I mean, if I ever get known for something, it'll be from having a podcast and a very strong Scottish accent. <laughs> well, you have a fantastic podcast and a lovely accent, I must say. Well, you know, if you visit Scotland, I'll have to show up and I'll get a celebratory bottle of iron brew. Sounds fantastic. I if look you forward don't to it. it I <laughs> <laughs> like the one thing that if I was ever to promote Scotland, like in America, you could promote so many things. You could promote like different parts of like like world famous locations. Like you've got um, like the Empire State Building, you've got Statue of Liberty, you've got Hollywood as a massive example. But in Scotland, I would say, oh, well, you know, you've got the Highlands, you've got the um, the bridge that was used in the Harry Potter films because, you know, Hogwarts is in Scotland. Not right. actually, you know, in the Harry Potter universe. I wish it was in Scotland in real life. Um, <laughs> what they have is, um, I would just promote, you know, you want to come over here? Eat some haggis and have some iron brew. There you go. You'll fit right in. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Since we brought up the subject to cosplaying with the Michael Rooker thing, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that later. But um, as we spoke about on Facebook, going to ask um, what was your um, first ever convention like you went to? Oh geez, um, I'm trying to think of what year it was, and I can't remember for the life of me. Um, I went to Anime Boston, actually. That was my first convention. And it was 
one of the it's one of the biggest anime conventions in New England. I went with uh, the anime club that I was a part of in high school, and that's how I kind of was introduced to the cosplay. Um, I went as Katara from Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yes, it was <laughs> it was really shoddily put together. It was terrible, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever because I had made it. Um, I actually still have. I'm actually looking at the shoes that I used for that <laughs> costume. They are sitting in my room. They are the most comfortable slippers I own, and they are fantastic. Um, I don't still have the costume. I moved recently, so I got rid of a lot of stuff that I wouldn't use anymore, stuff that I, you know, just let collect dust in my closet, and I'm afraid that was one of them. But, yeah, so that was the, that was the first convention I went to. And I'd kind of been used to dressing up in costumes like that before, my family and I used to run a haunted house in our backyard when I was younger. And my dad would build everything. The graveyard that he put together, he built all the tombstones. He would uh, put together all of the scare elements and we would put on together as a family for one night on Halloween my entire extended family would come and either be scare actors or they would just come and kind of watch. We had one year when I was 12, I want to say we had over 2,000 people there, which was kind of cool. <laughs> in well, one night, we were lucky if we got about like 12 people showing up at the door. It's because yeah. my family doesn't really, we don't. My family hasn't done much, um, like what we call guising is like trick or treating. Um, mm-hmm. but like the because of it, like, it's a more of a religious family, so they're not they don't really believe in the whole part of them. We got we got told to stop doing it like when we started high school, but when you start high school, that's when you have the group of friends where you could actually go out and have some fun with on Halloween while dressed up just to take the mic, but no, right. you're not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we actually stopped trick-or-treating really early. My siblings. We stopped trick-or-treating much earlier than most other kids because we wanted to be actors in the haunted house. So we stopped trick-or-treating so we'd be there all year or all night long so that we could be a part of it. Which was kind of cool. From what you're describing, the, the first thing that pops into my head with like, you saying that your extended family comes along, it reminds me of like the Halloween episodes of Modern Family because pretty much the entire family got together for that kind of thing. Yeah. Halloween used to be our big Christmas type thing where a lot of people will gather together for Christmas or for Thanksgiving. Um, I know a lot of people in the States do that too. But for us, our biggest thing was Halloween. We love Christmas. We love Thanksgiving. We, we love getting together with family for holidays, Easter, things like that. But Halloween was the, the big one for us. My cousins used to be scare actors in our haunted house when we were younger. And some of the stories that we have are just family members being silly. And whatever candy we had left was what was delegated between my siblings and I and my cousins. 
and we usually had a good couple family-sized bags of you know tootsie rolls and lollipops and things like that so we we always got candy we just never went door to door quick question what i ended up asking courtney about one of these as well um what's a tootsie roll um i'm trying to think of how to explain it so a tootsie roll it's kind of like a chocolate version of caramel and it's a tiny log shape usually wrapped up in paper like you'd see the old-fashioned confections like the, the hard candies so it's wrapped kind of like that and it's really good they also come in different kinds of flavors like vanilla strawberry lime orange I think there's raspberry too. I like the flavored Tootsie Rolls better ones, but they're all really, really good. And they all just remind me of trick-or-treating and Halloween with my family. So that might be why. I think we've actually, like we don't get, I don't see them very often, but I think you do get these um, like wee Tootsie Roll wings and like random like specific bags that are like priced way over what they should be worth and it's just they're like kind of like paper wrapping and it's just literally it just looks like we like block a caramel or taffy yes yeah that that would be it they're really really good i love them um they're nice and soft so it's not like you're gonna break your teeth eating them and they're not quite as sticky as caramel but i still you know I find them my preferred Halloween candy. I mean, see, for me, half the time when it comes to Halloween, obviously, back in the day, we would just get the same things that you would get in, like, a box of... I'm not sure what you get over there. Like, we get, like, quality street and um, celebrations and all that, and it was just literally, like, smaller version of, like, actual chocolate bars. Like, you get mini Mars bars, mini mm-hmm. bounties for whoever is disgusting enough to want to eat them. Um <laughs> My favorite one was always like the me that the, the wee Milky Ways because oh yeah. Milky Ways are honestly they're my favorite. If I got the option to hear like a massive box of them instead of a full box of celebrations, I would just choose that. That or Mars Bars. Yeah. Honestly, how did they go perfect like that? <laughs> but, um, we do have we do have those bags too, but um, my family always liked the the Tootsie Rolls and the lollipops. Those were our favorites, I guess. So, I mean, I guess different countries have their different foods. I mean, I don't, I doubt right. you get haggis very much here, though. Uh, I can't say we do, no. Yeah, um, a lot of people don't like haggis only because of, like, if you look up what's in haggis, right, you will be instantly like, oh, never mind, I'm turning vegan. It's a sheep's stomach. It's There's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Like if anyone said to me that if I had to either lose a leg or get rid of haggis, I would be seriously debating losing the leg. <laughs> I would go. I would just have the haggis because at least I'll be able to still eat the haggis. Right, right. Um, it's not, honestly, it's one of my favourite things. Whenever, um, when I was younger, I used to go to this kind of I can't remember what's called. It's like bowls or something like that. You're meant to like roll this kind of oddly shaped ball towards another couple of oddly shaped balls it's really hard to explain but after that my dad used to take us to like uh like a, a we like outside burger van like people who have their own we 
burger stand things outside. And mm-hmm. we used to always get like a haggis roll there, and it was always amazing. I loved doing it. I mean, it sounds like fun. We don't, like I was saying, we don't get haggis a lot here. It's definitely one of those things that I'd love to try. Um, my dad's <laughs> trying to encourage, he, he always tried to encourage the um, creative eating, whatever, like eating different things from different places, just to kind of broaden our palates a little bit which didn't always work, but, um, like, one of the things that he gets a lot, he gets a lot of kibasi and, um, kibasa, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. I'm, I, we always called it kibasi as a kid, but it's kibasa, and it, it's, I don't know if you guys have that over there, but it's never pretty heard, much, never it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much, um, It's kind of like a sausage, except it's much, much longer. It's like four or five times the size of a regular sausage or um, or hot dog. And it's meat inside a casing. My dad likes to cut it into small pieces and he likes to um, fry it in oil with cut up potatoes, which is actually one of my favorite dishes that he makes um but it's it's really good we never liked kibasa as a kid or as kids but we kind of eat it <laughs> but for me I, if i get i usually get um since i work nights obviously i'm gonna be asleep during most of the day so mm-hmm. um like i'll end up buying something at my work and a lot of the times during my first break they'll be selling like bacon rolls or haggis rolls and I'm like oh yay haggis <laughs> that sounds awesome sounds the awesome. bit that the thing that you were saying it's like one of your favorite things that he makes but first thing that pops into my head is I have something that's my favorite thing that my mum makes and the favorite thing that my dad makes my mum mm-hmm. the best stir fry in the world honestly like really? anytime I get anytime I get told that we're hating stuff i'm like oh yeah i will definitely be home for my tea <laughs> and then <laughs> when it comes to my dad it's um spaghetti bolognese like honestly oh fantastic Ooh, that sounds delicious yeah it, my it mom doesn't... makes really good breaded chicken that's something that she makes really really well and my dad my dad makes pretty much anything but i absolutely love the kielbasa and potatoes that he makes that's one of my favorites so we, we, what we need to do is both book flights to the other person's country and go to the other person's house and try the food. <laughs> yes, that sounds like a plan. That we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is quite a so much fun already. Um, like you were saying that Katara was your like kind of your first cosplay in regards to going to Comic Con. Yes, yes, it was. Um, what I was going to say is, what was your first like? I know how you said there wasn't a lot of, um, I wouldn't say there was a lot of effort, but there might have would been. But what was your first, like, full on, like, spent a long time trying to make, possibly? <laughs> That's Mary Poppins. Well, of course it is. <laughs> it's definitely Mary Poppins. Um, so the fun thing is that costume has had four or five different iterations. And I have been, you know, working on it, walking away coming back and redoing a piece and then walking away again. I've been doing that for about four years with this costume. 
I mean, my the cosplay that I was going to be using for Comic Con Scotland until I found out last week that it was um, it's been cancelled, which like broke my heart. By the way, honestly, um, yeah. I'd been working on that for almost a year. Like in about January ish, I think I mm-hmm. went online and I commissioned that someone um, I think I believe she's in Germany or Belgium. Um, to create a replica of Maleficent Scepter, but the one that was used in the Disney Descendants movies. Right. So I wanted it to make close to that, and then I got that, and I was like, right, all I need to do now is finish creating the outfit, which means I've got, I've already got shoes I can use. I can use certain like tracksuit bottoms, or, or more likely maybe like jeans or something leather. But the mm-hmm. main thing was the jacket, and I was about to order a jacket when I get a notification on Facebook saying that Comic-Con Scotland has posted something. And I'm like, oh, is it, it might be someone new's been announced. And then it's telling me that it's been cancelled. And I'm like, no! I remember when you messaged me about that. And I was I was actually at work with one of my one of my friends that I hadn't seen in a while. Um, they had sent me to a different store where I had actually trained. And one of the coworkers that I had gotten hired with was working with me that day. And I just made an audible cry. And she goes, what happened? I go, well, I just feel bad. She's like, what? And I explained the whole story. And she goes, you're weird. And I was like, yeah, but you love me anyway. This I, I hadn't seen her in three years. I felt bad because I know what it's like to get those those cancellations last minute or you know within a few weeks of wanting to go um I was actually supposed to go to a convention last year with um someone who I sadly don't talk to anymore but I was getting ready to go to the convention and I was actually working on Mary Poppins and then I get the email saying that the convention had been canceled and the sadness and sigh of relief that left me at the same time was ridiculous it's like one i was tears of sadness one i was tears of joy yeah pretty much um i have a a tendency to do what's called the con crunch which is like the week or the few weeks before a convention that's when i do all of the heavy work for costumes which is really bad. I don't advise doing it. It's terrible. I do it to myself all the time. And I hate when I do it every single time. But I am notorious for doing it because my time management is very poor. Which <laughs> is, is it, my fault. When you said the con crunch, the first thing important to write is that kind of sounds like a Comic-Con dance. <laughs> yeah, so... The con crunch! Yeah. Um, it, a, lot of, a lot of cosplayers are familiar with the with the terminology it's just that last leg right before the convention where you don't sleep all you do is work on your costume and you scream and cry and break things and it's terrible but at the same time wonderful because once everything's done you just feel so much better but usually you get to the con crunch by procrastinating and doing small amounts of work when you really should be doing your heavier work at that time instead of the week before so that you could relax the week before 
of going insane. I mean, I, I, I was going to be working the week before because I work um, Wednesdays through Saturdays, and the Comic Con mm-hmm. was meant to be Saturday, Sunday, but I'd obviously I'd booked off the days, but. I thought to myself, I'm going to need to get this jacket in advance because I can't order it like the week before in case no one's at the house and then the package is taken back to the to the post office and then it's not open until like the following Monday. I'd miss it. Right. But no, that's fine. That's just cancel the convention and reschedule it for the same date right. next year. Not a couple of months, next year. Oh, that's, no, that's, that's terrible. You say that, but I, I, I can't book tickets for next year's date because I might be in Australia that time next year. No, oh no, that's that's terrible. Not fair. <laughs> it is not fair. I mean, oh, don't get me wrong. I've been to Australia. I, I love Australia. It's great. I mean, like, if I I need air conditioning, like that as a like a vital necessity there. Because I, I'm Scottish, I will I will just melt over there. Oh yeah, like, um, yeah. If you brought like ice cream from Scotland or even from like winter in Canada over to Australia, like the heat from there, it would melt before you even like stand up. Right. Oh yeah, it, definitely. It, that water. I know that's not really how like ice and that works. It's just it's that level of hot. You're just like, nah, I can't do this. Yeah. No. That I can understand. The first time I went over, actually, there was a small Comic Con going on, and um, like me, my dad, my younger brother went. And when we went in, there was no one like in particular that I had heard of that were doing panels or like photos or anything like that. But mm-hmm. um, have you ever seen the Flash on the CW? I believe so. Vaguely. Yeah, a, there was a character, I think he was in season one, played by Rick Cosnett, and uh, he was there. And my little brother, being like a massive Flash fan, he goes and gets his um, Flash t-shirt signed by him. And I'm, my little brother goes across to Comic-Con, he didn't even know what's happening, neither did I, and he gets to meet someone, yet I have to wait over a year to meet my hero, which I'll explain about in a minute. But I'm like... Mm-hmm. Oh, it's fine because two minutes after he went to um, get the signature, I found a replica of Molnir from the Marvel films. Like it looks like the version from the MCU, and I'm like, "Oh well, you get to meet him. Huh? I'm worthy." <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually have a, a very very funny picture with a cosplayer who is cosplaying Thor, and as Mary Poppins. Thor had taken my parasol and I had taken the hammer. So that's probably one of of all my cosplay pictures, that's one of my one of my tops. I mean, I obviously have my favorites, but that that's up there with some of the best ones I've taken. With other cosplayers, that is. I mean, I when it comes to like taking photos with cosplayers, last year, well not last year, the year before when I was at Comic Con. I took a few photos, and I, I think, I'm not sure if they're even on my Facebook. I'm not sure if they're, like, on my cloud somewhere or if I've actually got them. I'm actually going to quickly, you know, quickly check my Facebook just in case I've got them. Just, you know, <laughs> insert some random, like, pass the time music here. Play the elevator music or something. <laughs> um, hold on, I've got a folder called Comic-Con Scotland 2019. Yeah, there was quite a few of them I quite liked, and there was one that I was really happy with because... Um, like I grew up with Power Rangers on the TV, 
Right. And um, one of the main actors from the series that I grew up watching was, well, the series was Dino Thunder, which um, I think it was 2004-ish. And the, hmm. the, um, the Black Ranger from that particular series was actually the original Green and um, White Ranger from the Mighty Morphin series. Nice. So that was really, that was really like that guy had been my hero since I was a child. So you sh- like later on after this, I'll send you a photo. You should see the size of my eyes when I'm standing beside this guy because I was the most excited person on the planet. Yeah, I was waiting but, in line, and I saw someone waiting in line wearing the same colors. Like in Power Rangers, they kind of wear colors corresponding to like what color ranger they are. Right. And right. I saw some. I saw someone wearing yellow, and I'm like, "Hold on, they're wearing yellow, and they're standing in line to meet Jason David Frank." And I'm like, "Wait a minute!" I notice on their arm, they also got like the same morpher as the color of the um, character they're cosplaying, and she was cosplaying a Dino Thunder character as well. I was like, "Yes, <laughs> that's so fantastic." There was um there was an, there was some folk cosplay and other ones that I don't I, I never watched as much like there's one of the photos I've got here is um there's one from Wild Force there's a couple of Spider Man there's funnily enough there's a guy dressed as Thor and I believe it's from Avengers Endgame because it's got both Molnir and Stormbreaker nice there was also a woman that was in a spiral onesie that was that was one of my favorite <laughs> that's fantastic and I, oh, of course and you can't you can't go wrong with a Dalek attending. Oh, yeah. We um, at Terrificon, which is one of the, the cons that I go to every year, I've actually been going to that one since it opened. And they have a couple Doctor Who every year, and they they bring the phone booth. So they bring the TARDIS with them, and they, ha- they have a couple dollars with them. Huh? If you were going to call, if you were going to call the t- the Thomas, no, I'm I'm looking at the I'm looking at the picture because I have the picture in front of me. I I do know <laughs> it is I do know that it is the Tardis. I am very familiar. I'm okay. <laughs> don't worry, but I'm I'm just looking at it and I'm like, okay, I know what this is. Why can't I think of the word? There's the word. Um, no, but they've they've been going. Um, I don't know if they've been there. I think they've been there every year. Because I'm pretty sure I've had a picture in the TARDIS or by the TARDIS every year I've gone. And every year as Mary Poppins, they stop me and tell me that they need me because they believe Mary Poppins is a Time Lord. It's tr- I mean, you need to look at the of Missy, played by Michelle Gomez and Capaldi's yep. um, era, and look at Mary Poppins. Their outfits are almost identical. I, I know, I know. going on there. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I've gotten a lot of Mary Poppins as a Time Lord. I've gotten Mary Poppins is a professor at Hogwarts. Um, there are all sorts of fan theories that people come up to me when I'm dressed as the character. And they kind of try to gauge what my knowledge is. And a lot of them I have heard of because I do, when I do cosplay and when I do uh, characters like this, I do a lot of extensive on the characters that I want to play and Mary Poppins is one of those that I just know a lot of really weird facts about so that's one of the ones that I know a lot of the fan theories for and those two particular theories the uh the theories that she is a time lord and that she at Hogwarts those are some of my favorites 
And every time people stop me and talk about them, I actually get very animated about it because they are fun theories to to go off of. The one that with um, Missy Mary Poppins that really gets you thinking is the fact that in one of the episodes, she has her umbrella that she uses and she was floating <laughs> down with it. And you're like, hold on, I can't exactly oh, what you no. Oh, <laughs> <But> no. <laughs> since the first thing that's actually reminded me of um, when it brings you back to Michael Rooker, um, kind of really sad that you never got him to say, I'm Mary Poppins, y'all, just because of the what he's The amount of people... The amount of people who come up to me and tell me disappointedly that they are mad he never said it to me. Um, how he he did sign something for me that he had signed saying I'm Mary Poppins, y'all. Oh. So I did get I did get that eventually, but he never he never said it to me, and I feel like he never said it. I was Mary Poppins. So he never felt like he needed to say it because he wasn't Mary Poppins. I was, which was kind of funny. (laughs) If you're ever at the convention again and he's there and you're doing Mary Poppins again, you just have to go up to him and then just give him the umbrella. And it's like, can you quickly say this for my friend who has a podcast? (laughs) (laughs) I, I think I'm going to have to at this point because everyone I talk to, whenever I bring this story, these, uh, these stories up, they all tell me that I need to go up to him and have it. And at one point, I will. At, at one point. Hopefully. <laughs> thing, does, have you ever heard of the app called Cameo? Hmm? Have you ever heard of an app called Cameo? Cameo. I can't say I have. Well, what is it? It's an app where you can like get birthday messages or ask questions or like anything like that from celebrities. And I'm just thinking, if he joins Cameo, it'll be like so good because the amount of people that will request that he says that will be ridiculous. That that'll be ridiculous. But um, I, I, hey, if you want to cash in on that, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I mean, for example, um, like obviously I met Jason David Frank in 2019, and then I find I found out about the Cameo app because on Facebook, for some reason, the targeted ads were directing me to just so happened to be directing me towards Jason David Frank after I talk to him, talk about him in one of my chats. So that's Facebook being a bit stalkerish, but right. I um, look at it and I was like, hold on, he's on Cameo. And I looked it up and there was actually, I think it was an offer going on that he was getting Cameos cheaper. So I was like, right, I've got some money. I'll buy that. And I gave him a message. Like I got a request and I was just asking him like, um, just, you know, to say thank you. And because on after I met him, like I walked to the side and I like walked into the toilet and I almost started crying because I was that happy. Like this guy, I just met the guy who's been like a massive inspiration to me. And it mm-hmm. was really good. And I, he's, he remembered who I was because I showed him a, a photo of, well, that photo of myself and him. And he's like, I remember meeting you in Scotland. And I was like, oh, you remember me. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. Yeah. Um, I mean, the first time that I met uh, Michael Rooker, I actually walked away shaking. Oh. And... <laughs> It wasn't until I was talking to someone who was taking pictures of the interaction and this person goes to touch my, my shoulder and goes, Oh my God, you're quaking. I said, 
I know. <laughs> because <laughs> it was, and I'm sure we'll go into the, the whole story in a little bit, but the whole thing was very spur of the moment. I didn't really have any time to process what was going on. It was all just very quick. And there was no moment for me to really say, okay, this is happening. It was all just one after the other. And once I was able to walk away, I was so overwhelmed. My family and I actually had to go get lunch and leave the con floor because I was shaking so bad. Is that like, what that thing, is that good shaking or bad shaking? Oh, it was, it was very good. Um, it was a very positive interaction. But it was one of those things where I had gotten so overwhelmed with everything that had happened that I couldn't stop shaking and my voice would shake when I spoke. So my parents were like, okay, this might be a good time to go and get lunch, let you calm down a little bit. If you want to drop the accent, you can drop the accent. I didn't. But <laughs> it, it was a good wind down a little bit. And when we were going and sitting at lunch, I looked at my parents. I said, I don't care what else happens today. Best day of my life. <laughs> and then I, it continued to get better. And then I met him again at another convention. So I really can't even say it was the best day of my life. It's one of the best days of my life, though. Is he the, uh, like the only famous person you've met? Or is there a list of people that you've met? So he's the most notable famous person that I've met I've I mean, met celebrities like baby. I've met celebrities like here and there at different conventions you know saying hello but usually I wasn't in costume yeah or you know I was meeting celebrities kind of like out in the wild um my family has actually met Danny Trail, who oh did a lot of different work. He did the machete films. He was the uncle in Spy Kids. I was about to say um, Spy Kids. <laughs> yeah. So my sister at eight years old met him at a horror convention. <laughs> and he absolutely loved her. She and my dad entered the costume contest and she was dressed as this like punk pixie with uh with a very victorian era cape and my dad dressed as a zombie full face mask suit and everything and their whole idea and skit was she dug up her dad to go trick-or-treating and danny treo was one of the judges and they won the contest i think they they won like the they they won like the beginners competition or something like that um or they placed really well with it i i can't remember a whole lot but i know they they did really well and i always thought that was funny i mean uh, me it's when you meet an actor from something that that you remember watching growing up like for example mm -hmm. like my kids was always like a massive thing for me it was that and um shark boy and lava girl like honestly, like um, you don't hear much from the lassie that played Lava Girl anymore. But you like, um, Taylor Lautner who played Shark Boy. Like, he's probably m most well known now for um his role in the Twilight films. Right. But 
like even if I got to meet any of them, regardless of who else is in line, because if I was in line to meet him, it would be because he played Shark Boy in a film that I watched when I was wee and I loved it. Oh, and, absolutely. But then there's going to be like eighteen thousand other people waiting in line because he's on. When it comes to a convention, if one of the actors from like the Vampire Diaries or Twilight shows up, tickets will sell oh, out yeah. fast. But oh yeah, there would be so many people as like, oh yeah, what are you? Are you Team Jacob or Team Edward? And I'm like, eh, I'm Team Shark Boy, pal. <laughs> that that's the accurate response. Um, yeah. So there are other celebrities tried to meet and actually didn't have the opportunity to. There was a convention I went to where Jim Cummings was there and he's the voice actor for Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. Yeah. And um another really funny tidbit is he's the singing voice of Rasputin in Anastasia. Is he? He is. Um and then one of my favorite Disney facts that I know, I tell my mom this every time the song comes on. In the song Be Prepared in The Lion King, Jeremy yeah. Ions actually blows his voice out before he can finish recording. So they brought in Jim Cummings to finish the song. Yeah. And if you listen really, really carefully, you can hear the difference in the voices and the last bit of the song and you can hear where they switch from Jeremy Ions to Jim Cummings which is really cool and I love listening to it as a singer um, as a Disney fan it's so great to hear that in, in music it's it's just fun for me I mean Be Prepared is probably one of the best Disney villain songs out there so I'm going to be paying attention to that next time I listen to it. I'm going to be like, yeah. I want to see, if I can see the, the differences. But half the time when you think, or you don't really think about the side actors, like, for example, mm-hmm. like Jim was playing, um, I think, he, didn't he voice one of the, he played like the daft hyena, didn't he? He played the what? He played the um, the hyena who was mainly just laughing. Did he? I- I'm, I'm, I'm currently searching Google. <laughs> Are you searching? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't remember. Just, just I'm just gonna quickly double check IMDb because I am, I'm not, I've not watched The Lion King in about at least six or seven years, which I know it's that's been a while for me too. So I, I don't blame you. Let's like see, Brian Atkinson playing Zazu. Everyone knew that. Um, Nathan Lane voicing Timon. He is so funny. Um, yeah, I love Tim voice Ed, which um, I think Ed is the bit the daft one. Hold on. What? Yep. Google again, which hyena is Ed? And it's, let's see. Yeah, it's, he's the, the idiot one. <laughs> <laughs> the, the idiot one. Uh, uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's an accurate depiction. I don't think Ed says much of anything anyway in the film. He just sits there and laughs the whole time. So, but I think, uh, you know, you get like different fandoms have their own like fandom pages. Mm-hmm. Well, this one for Ed, the photo of him was literally him walking along with his tongue out. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a very interesting photo. It was like, oh yeah, it's the guy with his tongue out, but that doesn't really help. 
I mean, it's accurate though. That's that's the it's very accurate. <laughs> Since we were discussing Comic Con, um, I remember that I'm scrolling up on our Facebook chat. Um, we were going to also discuss like what do you think are the like the negatives of um, Comic Con or cosplays as a whole. Like before we move on to the other subjects we talked about, I just thought let's try talk about something negative, see something positive, and then we'll see another negative and then see where we go for there. Okay. Um, I mean, as a cosplayer in general, when it comes to going to cons, I feel like as a girl, shoes is probably the worst thing when it comes to cosplay because there are no such thing as comfortable shoes for women. Um, that's just like a personal vendetta I have against the costumes that I pick because I don't I pick a lot of very classy dresses, princess dresses, things like that. So I'm always in heels or something not necessarily comfortable. So I have it out against shoes for cosplay, but that's just me personally. As for negatives with cosplay, I really got to say it's the cosplay creeps. That's probably the worst, the worst part of cosplaying especially as a girl have got to be the cosplay creeps. And I know we did talk about that um, in our chats before it was about that yeah, for sure. I do think raise awareness about it because it's something that like a lot of people don't like to talk about just because it's been, it's made them so uncomfortable. Yeah. So I have dealt with a couple incidences myself and I know way too many people who have dealt with this um cosplay creeps for those who don't know what it is it is someone who goes to conventions just to find pretty girls that they like and either they'll hold them inappropriately while taking pictures just to get their reaction or some people I've actually heard had like body cams on and would go to hug girls with very low cut costumes just to get pictures down their shirts. It's, it's really awful. Um, I have had instances where people have grabbed me a little too tightly or pulled me a little too close to them just, and that is in a whole uncomfortable, but generally once the interaction's over, a lot of them will turn around and go, I'm sorry, I didn't realize I was I was holding you that tight or I generally they'll apologize because they'll see it on my face. Um, but cosplay, cosplay is not consent. It does not mean that as a cosplayer, we give you the ability to take pictures of us. We do not give you the right to touch us however you feel. And it, it doesn't give you the ability to do whatever you want to us based on who we're playing. Um, when I was walking around as Mary Poppins, my dad, who was behind me with my mom, told me later that he heard more than one person saying to people around them, damn, I didn't know Mary Poppins was so hot in person. And obviously any dad's going to be uncomfortable with that and not happy about that. And... 
thankfully none of them actually came up to ask for pictures because I don't think that would have ended very well if they did. But I don't always have that kind of support system with me. Um, usually, your dad would have been leaving in some kind of bloody handcuffs. Um, uh, I don't think he would have been leaving in handcuffs. He would have been leaving in something much more um, restrictive at that point. Um, Jesus, my dad's a very—he's a very big dude and very protective. So, walking away from those kind of comments were not easy for him. And on the ride back, he was telling me about this and he was like, yeah, you usually come to these things with people. I'm like, most of the time, yeah. He goes, okay, don't ever come to them without people again. I was like, okay, sounds like a plan. So now I'm, I have to have somebody go with me at all events now. Even if that happened, like just once, it can be enough to like stop someone going ever again like there's a lot of there's when it comes to comic-con because it invites like so many different areas like you can go to a comic-con like for example probably the biggest ones san diego comic-con for example mm-hmm. you can like there's going to be people there that are cosplaying anything from like i don't know let's say like ant-man from the mcu all the way to like literally from a to z from ant-man to zootopia like there's so many different genres that like half a time you end up like sometimes i've seen folk cosplaying like musicians and all that as well Mm -hmm. yeah like um obviously you'll get the more iconic ones and you'll see someone going in as like iron man or captain america or like for example the more classic ones um with mary poppins for example and Mm -hmm. for me like obviously being a male uh, a male i've never been through uh, kind of experience that you've been through and I just I thought it might be a good thing to cover on just so not only I can learn about um, how serious it can be but how other people can you know they can it's, know it's okay to talk about it yeah and I mean most of the time it it doesn't happen as often to me as it does to other people because most of the time the costumes that I'm dressing as I'm dressing in like full length gowns and things that are a lot more conservative but when I started cosplaying I did characters like Wonder Woman and the Black Canary and Black Widow which are very skin tight and very revealing and that's where a lot of my stories come from Um, of just people grabbing me in ways that I was not comfortable with and sometimes you can't say anything because in the instance they're they ask if they can take a picture with you so you say okay you can take a picture with me and then all of a sudden they're holding you in a death grip to their side and you really can't weasel your way out of that um, yeah. I don't know a lot of girls that would be able to do that, that are strong enough to do that. Um, fortunately, usually I have somebody who's with me who kind of pulls me away from them after an interaction like that. Cause they, my friends, my family, they can usually read on my face when I'm not comfortable in a situation, but I've also had friends who 
have been in short skirts that get felt up under their costumes. And it's really disturbing. And to people, if this is your first time at a convention, something like that can really turn you off from cosplaying ever again. Which is really unfortunate because this is something fun that if you like dressing up or if you like a certain fandom or uh, whatever have you, it ruins the whole interaction for you when if that one person had been more respectful, you would be fine and you'd be doing this more often. You'd be going to more. It, it's just a shame. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a, a, when I was saying like about franchises, like in particular, if you look at anime, for example, there is a lot of characters in anime whose outfits are about it's it's different than how they would look in real life. For example, if you look at any anime that's like based at some sort of like school or like college or anything like that, they, they yeah. look a lot more, let's just say, adult oriented than they they actually do in real life. But that just because they're cosplaying that particular character from the franchise, like um, there's a a popular anime um, High School DxD. There's a lot mm-hmm. of like a lot, yeah. There's a lot of um, like, fan service. Yeah, that that, that was the one I was yeah. thinking of. But um, that doesn't mean that just because like if someone's cosplaying as Rias for the, from that um, anime, that doesn't mean that it's like that you are automatically going to get to be Issei. Like, no, that that's not how it works. Right. Like, you, you um, get to just go up to them. You, you have to like be, like when I see someone at Comic Con, I'll ask them if I'm allowed a photo, and then like when it comes to me, like my arm is either down at my side or it's actually like hovering just because like the less physical contact that like it's more comfortable for both parties. And honestly, as a cosplayer, that is something that makes me respect you more as a con goer as another cosplayer that's something that I appreciate generally if I notice something like that I'll say it's okay you can put your hand you can either you you can actually put your hand down and touch my shoulder or whatever I'm okay with that but generally that that kind of thing makes the cosplayers especially women feel more comfortable with who they're interacting with that that as a whole just that makes me happy to hear that there are people who still do stuff like that and it it's heartwarming for me to see to be honest i mean i'm actually just going to quickly go back onto my facebook page to check the um the comic-con photos um because if you actually have a look at a lot of the the photos like when a lot of us were not even like in that close contact like this was before COVID-19 or anything like that, so it wasn't um, anything to do with social distancing, but if you notice, like, when we're barely, like, touching shoulders or anything, we're, like, close enough so the camera can see us both, but, like, for example, um, like, I'll show you these after um, we finish recording, but, like, we, um, I think it's mainly because some of us were posing as well, but um, Mm -hmm. we, um, like, we were standing, like, close, but not, like, any contact, like, there's maybe, from what I can see in this photo, our elbows are maybe about four inches inches from contact, but that's like that's nothing. But, um, right. It's it really just. It, I, I'm not sure if it's just me being wrong in the heat, but I don't. Even if someone had said it's like, oh, it's okay, you can put your, your hand on my shoulder, I would probably still be like, like, uh, like I, I wouldn't want to say 
I would probably still not do it, but just because it's a whole boundaries thing and like, oh, I, I don't actually know you. So like for me, I don't have that kind of, I don't feel like I can do that just because it's like, I right. don't, it's hard to explain. No, I, I completely understand it. Um, and I do, I do know a couple guys that have said things like that to me where they're like, I just don't feel like it's right to be that. No, and as somebody who is a party played a lot, I'm very used to strangers being in close proximity to me, so I'm a lot more familiar with stuff like that in general. So to me, it's not it's not as strange, but I do understand the people who it does bother, and I always I always find it interesting and refreshing to find people who are just like I'm going to still respect the boundaries because I don't know you and I don't want to leave with a negative interaction with you and I always appreciate that yeah since um, this subject's obviously rather a it's a serious subject but it's also a subject that needs to be um, spoken about and but if it's all right to move on I was my next question was actually going to be um, what's your opinion on cosplays when you see them like like for example I've got one with a guy that's dressed as Batman and that me being an avid gamer I noticed something that's different with his cosplay rather than the rest of his outfit because his outfit looked like it was maybe Batman Incorporated but the helmet was um, the Arkham Knight Batman helmet from the video game but the first thing that popped into my head was like obviously you're not going to be able to get all these items like the correct ones but I still think that it worked really well. And a lot of people criticise people who don't have accurate outfits. Like if someone's got like the wrong, even like the wrong shade of yellow or something on their cosplay, you mm-hmm. they'll try and read about it. And they're like, you can't do that. This person tried really hard. Maybe they were unable to get this piece or they've used it from another cosplay. Right. Um, I have encountered people who are like that. Me personally, when I do my costumes, I strive for as accurate as I can make them. And even so, um, I do have to cut corners or do things that don't make it exactly accurate, but make it functional. So I understand the discrepancies between costumes and the source material. It happens. It it never really bothers me unless it's like something absolutely obvious. Um, but generally, I prefer to keep that to myself instead of openly criticizing people because they're just looking to have fun. And just like what I'm doing, I wouldn't like somebody coming up to me and saying, Oh, your hat is tilted. Or, Oh, you should have used this instead of that. I very well could know that I shouldn't have used one thing over another, but doesn't make pointing it out any more interesting. It it doesn't aid in the conversation at all. It just criticizes. And there's no need to criticize with cosplay. It's just for fun. A lot of people, like, sometimes, like, you'd see folk, especially at San Diego Comic Con, they've got, like, the really, like, these guys must have spent thousands and thousands of pounds or dollars or whatever on the particular items like the, mm-hmm. the there's a lot of stuff with like electronics that's what with 
Iron Man costumes that like the shoulders and all that pop up to show up the weapons and the helmet mm-hmm. pops up and everything. But like even if like with that particular cosplay with the Batman um helmet being different than the outfit, I still loved the outfit, especially being a fan right. of the Batman Arkham Knight. And I wouldn't like I'm not I'm not criticizing him. I liked the cosplay. It's just you know it's one of those details that's like, well, this is like it's it's different. Well, it still right. works, you know. Like it's see if you were playing like Maleficent, for example, there are very many different iterations of Maleficent. So you've got like the original from the Sleeping Beauty movie, you've got the Angelina Jolie version from the, the in those movies, but you've also got the version that we also see in Disney's Descendants, and there's all different right. things you can do, especially like if you look at how the sector's designed in each three of those films. That's that's the fun thing with cosplays. It doesn't even if you're strong, it doesn't have to be. That's that's one of the good things with it is if you're not, you know, if you're doing things a little differently, if you're going off of a design from something else, you could mix and match if you wanted to. There are the people who kind of gatekeep those characters, I guess is the right term for that. Um, and they just take the fun out of it there's no need to do that in not in my opinion if if somebody's doing something and enjoying themselves respect the time they took to put into their costumes respect their abilities as a cosplayer and just walk away you don't have to like it necessarily some of them are fantastic i've seen some iterations of costumes there are some gender-bent princesses that i've seen that are absolutely fantastic they're not exactly screen accurate but they're beautiful and that's one of the best things about cosplay as a whole is that even if you want it to be accurate it doesn't have to be it could be whatever you want it to be what's your opinion on like say if you're walking about a convention and like someone's got their outfit on what was if you notice like say something suddenly breaks or like tears or something do you think it's okay to like tell them that oh, oh by the way i've just saw this particular say part of the their dresses part like just suddenly ripped or whatever do you think it's okay to let them know or do you think it's best just to leave it in case you upset them okay so i am what many would classify as the mom friend so I, as, I tend to take on a very caring demeanor when I'm talking to people as a whole. And if I notice something happens to a costume, especially something that I can fix, if I can help, generally what I'll say is something along the lines of, you know, hey, I noticed this. Would you like some help? Yeah. And... Most of the time, people are a lot more receptive to the, can I help you fix this that's broken? Because you can tell the difference between meant to look broken and actually broken. Yeah. Um, And generally, if I notice something is like ripped or falling off, I would want somebody to tell me. So I try to as politely as I can tell other people I haven't had too many people upset about that um I could understand how somebody would be but most of the time 
it's more of just, oh, you know, thank you. I've got it. Or, oh, yes, if you could help, that would be great. Generally, I don't leave home without a needle and thread. So most of the time I can fix tiny repairs. I mean, one of the reasons I wouldn't um, offer to help is because if I tried to do it with a needle and thread, I'd either end up stitching my hand onto the outfit or completely ruining the outfit. I've I've been sewing for seven years. So I'm at a point where I'm like, yeah, I know I if somebody had an absolute wardrobe malfunction, I could absolutely help them. So I... I, I guess I feel a little more comfortable in that sense, knowing that I have the ability to do that. So most of the time, yeah, I do say something if I notice something. For me, I, I honestly, I wouldn't be sure. It just depends on how serious it is. If it's something like you notice a small tear, that's one thing. But like what you were saying, like a wardrobe malfunction, that could go from anything from like, the, if it's, for example, if a dress, like, like the top of the shoulder, like completely tearing, and mm-hmm. like just compared to maybe like a part of the dress near the your feet is torn like there's i wouldn't be sure whether to say anything ever just in case you know it seems like there's a lot of people who's think like oh he's been he's looked at me and it's like why was he looking at me and then you see that and you're like some of the people might think oh that, that guy's a weirdo why is he looking there or whatever even though it's your shoulder i mean I could, again, I could understand how people would think that. Yeah. Me personally, the people I've met in the cosplay community, most of them, if they have costumes like that, they either made it or somebody made it for them. And if something's broken or busted, I know personally, I would want to know so that either I can fix it or I can get some help fixing it. Because uh, most of my costumes are very expensive and I'd rather not get back to my room and take it off only to find there to be a giant hole in the costume especially if it's obvious because then I'd feel bad for walking around all day I know there are there are a couple people that I have met that have been more along the lines of yeah I'd rather not know but most of the people that I know in the community or most of the people that I've met would rather know if something's falling off as opposed to being left in the dark, especially if they can't yeah. see it. It's, it's just in the case, like, sometimes you just want to, like, you want to let them know because you want to help and make sure that they don't end up in that particular position, like going home and realizing that their outfit's, like, got a massive hole in it, especially if they're going to be going to the convention for, like, another couple of days. Right. But I'm, that's since we're still on Comic Con cosplay um, and cosplay <laughs> subjects, so that's, that's pretty much what this episode's about. But I was going to ask if you got um, any future conventions or cosplays you're going for? As of right now, I don't believe I have too many lined up. I know I will be helping the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society again for one day in November at a convention. I, off the top of my head, I can't remember which convention it is, but I'll be helping them for a day like I did with Fan Expo. Most of the time when it comes to conventions, I only do like one or two a year. This year has been a weird like anomaly 
where I've been getting invited to conventions as opposed to just going and participating as a cosplayer. So I'm getting in conventions instead of just going to the, the one or two I mainly go to every year. Yeah. So it, it's kind of interesting. Um, but as far as I know, I don't have any plans to go into any, to go to any new ones that could change. But as far as I'm aware of right now, no. Here's a good question. Um, like, see if you could snap your fingers, right? Like I'm talking like Thanos, snap your fingers and like you would fall asleep, wake up the next day and you would have like your dream cosplay, like all the materials. And it was, what it was is it was literally as if it was the real thing right in front of you. Do you know what cosplay that would be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I do. Um, what is it? So that would actually be the 2015 Cinderella ball gown. Mm, I'm going to quickly here look at this. <laughs> I, type in, I, I type in 2015 and then Cinderella 2015 Disney film pops up. That is, that's yeah. silly, just being creepy now. Um, yeah, really so that's, that's the one that I have to save up money for because it's going to be very expensive to make. It's going to be like 20 yards of organza just for the petticoat, not even for the actual skirt itself. And it, it's going to be a lot of work. I'm excited to do the work, but it is going to be a very large project. I'm excited for it, but it's going to be one of those I've got to start socking away money before I can even touch it. It's very ornate. Do you know when you ever like see a cosplay that someone's done of a particular character and you're like, I wish I had that exact cosplay because it looks so accurate? Yeah, actually yeah, that look- happened with Mary Poppins. <laughs> what did you look Believe in the Um... So I went to Anime Boston and I had gone into a panel and there was someone in the Jolly Holiday Mary Poppins dress that was posing for, uh, it was an artist's panel and they were all drawing her. And I sat there and looked at her and I go, wow, I want that dress. And Four or five years later, I made that dress. So, it does happen. <laughs> I mean, like for me, like this is this. I would need to win the lottery for this. But um, as we spoke about um, Batman Arkham Knight um, about ten minutes ago, there's a guy who done a cosplay of the Arkham Knight character, and like mm-hmm. I'll send you a photo of this guy's cosplay after we're done. But the detail in this, oh, it, it's so well done, and it makes like, yeah. I got the opportunity to have that. I would go to like every single Comic Con convention like that just because it looks so good. Yeah. There there are definitely some very, very talented cosplayers out there who take the time to just spend and nitpick how they're gonna do things and it shows in their work because they always, always come out flawless. But that's the thing. It, that, um, look, just if I search Arkham Knight cosplay on Google, there are people who like compared to this guy. These, the, yeah, it's not as like a high degree of detail, but this cosplay still—you know what character it is—and it still looks really good. Absolutely. 
that's what I love about it because I'm looking at half of these. Like, there's one of the, there's obviously there's that first one, but then there's one where like the mask and is different color, and like the chest plate for them is a little bit of a different. Like, it's looks less is like clinged to the to your chest, but it's like it still looks like a really good cosplay. And right. like for me, it's a cosplay that it's like, oh, I could I probably couldn't make mine as good as either of them, so it doesn't matter for me. <laughs> See, that's the thing. No one starts off good. Yeah. That's that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand is no one, no one starts off as talented as they become. If you look back at some of my first costumes, you would barf at how, well, I would barf at how bad the seam work is, the patterning is. Um, you can just tell it was done by somebody who wasn't experienced. And then you yeah. look at some of the stuff that I've done now and you can tell the growth I've had as a costumer. And that's with anything. With sewing, with armor work, you never start in an exceptional with an exceptional ability. And some people get discouraged by that. And it just, it makes me sad to see people get so disheartened by beginning something and not realizing how long it took for other people to get to where they are. For example, if I, my first cosplay that I like, well, it was more of a, a dress down day thing for college. You meant to dress up as like a fictional character or whatever. And this was the first one where this was meant to be, it wasn't for Comic Con, so I'm not counting it 100%, but it's my first um, like full outfit cosplay. And I know for a fact that it's not as accurate because um, like it's a character from Yu Gi Oh! GX and mm-hmm. the dual disc is not the right one. I mean, I've got a that kind of the right hat. I've got a similar jacket. I've even got the wee like bow handkerchief bow tie thing that he's got. But I know the dual disc is wrong. But I still think that if you look at the photos beside each other, like the, this guy did attempt to do that. Right. It just really depends on like your budget. Like there's a lot of people who can't afford like the high end materials, and then there's other people who like half the time folk for Comic Con would actually just go into like a charity shop because there could be stuff that they can use for materials and it's, mm-hmm. it's it doesn't matter how much you spend on it as long as you know you like you are happy with how you look if you're happy with like the cosplay as a whole you know it shouldn't really matter oh, yeah. regardless of how it looks closet cosplays are some of my favorites actually because you have to get creative and yes making costumes is fun and creative as well But to do a closet cosplay, you have to be able to look at things and see who would it fit and why. And I find those to be a lot more innovative as a whole. You can see that a lot in uh, between closet, goodness, closet cosplays and like Disney bounding. Those are things that again, you just, you get very creative about. And I always love seeing them. 
when you talk about like creativity, the thing that I love the most is like it's mainly probably a bias because of my own cosplay. But the one that I was planning for this year's Scotland Comic Con before it was cancelled was an original character. So you need to put a lot of imagination when you're creating an OC character, especially even if it's mm-hmm. based on like if it's got an alter ego similar to a character or if it's meant to be like a a related character to someone yes you take inspiration and there's going to be similarities like maybe for example mine was meant to be the son of Hades so right. he, like he was going to have like the blue hair and he was going to have similar things to like his father especially with his outfit design but um when I say son of Hades I'm talking about Disney's descendants Hades yeah. from the three not the Hercules Hades no I um, know Oh yeah, I think I spoke about that in the episode of Courtney you listened to. Yes, yes. <laughs> I keep forgetting which one you listen to. <laughs> it, it takes a lot of um a lot of like thought and you know, it's like, right, how would this work and will this look okay? Like as you can see with my if you look obviously after the call at my Facebook photos, you'll see me with the Hades wig. Like it doesn't look a hundred percent like the one that you see in the movies, but I mean it's it was better than what we had like what I could have gotten like I could have just went with my regular hair but mm-hmm. I mean it doesn't look too bad I don't think is this the one on your um on your Instagram I think um I think so I'm just gonna quickly switch because if if it's if it's that one I do remember seeing it and yes it was very very um interesting and I did enjoy looking at it I'm trying to think of I it. thought it's it... gonna be Ordinal Chaos Instagram or if it's going to be on the actual cosplay Instagram. No, I think I think it's on the the Chaos Instagram because yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's really cool. I don't know you I don't know you followed my cosplay Instagram as well. I've just checked that now. (laughs) Of course I did. (laughs) See, the amount of Instagrams I've got with just the day with the podcast, I have Ordinal Cosplay, I have the Ordinal Chaos, and then I've got like the gibbering podcast on instagram and that's just to do with what we discussed today i've also got a photography one and a short film instagram with the ordinal name as well wow so you have yeah, a I, lot of different accounts i mean half of them are just linked to the same um, similar emails <laughs> i mean fair and i've written down all those passwords like i've got an actual paper trail it's actually written on paper just so i don't lose it if my phone dies not a bad idea not a bad idea at all. I think in every one of my bios, I actually mention it's like, oh yeah, I'm the host of a podcast as well. Doesn't <laughs> okay. You can cross this Instagram. I host a podcast. You've been looking up things to do with Spider Man. Oh yeah, I've got Spider Man cosplay. But did you know I host a podcast? Need <laughs> to get in the wee cheeky mention. I mean, self promotion is probably one of the best things you can do for yourself. Yeah. Um, Here's a question. Obviously, you've met um, you've met the man himself. You know Mary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anyone that you would love to meet at Comic Con if there was the opportunity? I would give anything to meet Julie Andrews dressed as Mary Poppins. Anything. Um, as as a performer, she is one of my vocal icons. I I've worked on a lot of her music before. And I would give anything to meet her. And meeting her dressed as Mary Poppins would just be 
that much better. Can I clarify, is it her dress as Mary Poppins or you dress as Mary Poppins? <laughs> Me dress as Mary Poppins. <laughs> because <laughs> meeting her dress as Mary Poppins might actually like give me an aneurysm because that would be too much <laughs> i mean she's she's almost like maybe almost 80 odds this year hold on let me take a quick look at this once again back on the 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 fantastic device known as google exactly she, even so she could still rock that costume yeah you can't tell me she can't she she would still look amazing she should come out just for some sort of like charity event as mm-hmm. Mary Poppins. Oh my goodness! I mean, for me, I um, obviously being a Doctor Who fan, like right up there would be anyone who played the Doctor. Um, mm-hmm. Like, I'm not sure if I showed you, but I've got my poster signed by David Tennant. I don't think you showed me about it, but you you did tell me. Yeah, I'll show you it later on. I've got a photo of it somewhere because it's like my prized possession right now. <laughs> but like right up there, if I can meet like David Tennant or um, like Robert Downey Jr., anyone who's played a massive part in like anything to do with like what was what I liked growing up, what I like to watch now. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to look around my room, see if there's any other references to someone I'd like to meet. Anyone that was in Harry Potter, actually, or Game of Thrones. Mm. Like there's, there's when it comes to those franchises, there's a massive list, so there's a chance you'll meet one of them. Absolutely. No, definitely. Most places, when you go to conventions, they try to take a couple, at least a couple A-listers or popular celebrities that people would really want to see. Yeah. And then they grab a bunch of B-listers as well, so that there are little more obscure names that you wouldn't think to see. And it's always the mix of both of those that interests me like for the first time I met Michael Rooker was at Terrificon and he was definitely one of the A-lister names that was there and then when I saw him again at Fan Expo they had names like Brendan Fraser that were there and Ron Perlman so even though Michael Rooker is an A-list actor he became a little more B-list compared to some of the other actors that were there. His lines weren't as long, but there were still people there for him, of course. I mean, um, this year, what we went for the convention that was cancelled, the big names, to be honest, for me that I that I know of were um, it was some of the angles like Ian Somerhalder and that from the Vampire Diaries. Oh, okay. So they were like, I think those were the like the big names there. Um, but for me, being a big gaming fan, um, it, there was actors from Red Dead Redemption in there as mm-hmm. well. So it really depends, like, A-list and B-list. I guess it also can really depend on your opinion as well. Like, this okay. person could be like, the best to you. Like, for example, like, for me, the A-list would have been the folk from Red Dead because I know of that. And as a person who isn't that much a fan of the Vampire Diaries, they are not particularly of interest to me. But... Their tickets sold out very fast, apparently. Mm. Again, I'm not surprised. It's all... They want the big ticketers, and they also want some not-as-big ticketers, just to see what the the pull is going to be. Sometimes the people they don't think are going to be the big tickets are what end up being the big tickets. Yeah. 
just because. I mean, it entirely to, depends on the fan. Now, according to um, Comic Con, when they announced that the convention was cancelled, they said that this year's tickets were like a record level. So they must have done something right with someone. Hmm. If there's less tickets sold next year, if someone's cancelled, you'll know exactly who it was that was bringing them in. Oh, absolutely. That happens. But, um, that happens at a lot of conventions, though. Yeah, we're actually um, we're an hour and forty minutes of this podcast. Wow, doesn't it feel like an hour and forty minutes? <laughs> I know. It's, it's like when I was talking, Courtney. It's like so much fun. You don't actually realize how long it's been. Right. I'm just trying. To, I'm actually looking up <laughs> something quickly for um, like Julie Andrews. I recognized the name. And I just remembered. Oh yeah, she voiced Queen Lillian and Shrek too. She did. She also was in Victor Victoria. She was in the Despicable Me franchise. She played yeah. Gru's mother. <laughs> Any kind of related to Gru's funny. I loved those movies. Um, I thought they were so funny. And knowing it was her in that role just made that character better for me. Um, I. What's up? I was, I was going to let you finish. I was going to say something else. No, it's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> what I was going to say is, do you ever like watch, like for example, an animated film and you don't know who it, who's in it, but then you hear the voice, you're like, hold on. like I recognize that voice. You look them up, it's like, holy shit, it's them. Yeah, I've done that actually a lot. I've even done that with live action movies where I'm like, I know the face or I know the voice. I yeah. can't place where they where they're from, though. Um, it's actually a game in my house where my family and I will sit and watch like an animated movie and my dad will sit smug and be like, okay, so who, who plays this character? And we'll be like, uh, we don't know. And he'll be like, oh, we'll sit and listen to their voice and see if you can figure it out. And eventually we do figure it out. And it's always, it's always somebody you wouldn't think of. Like, for example, with the movie Sing, there are a lot of A-list celebrities in that movie that sang for those parts. Yeah. Like, Taron Egerton sang, um, Scarlett Johansson was singing in that movie. It Just the names that are, are playing these characters, sometimes because of the characters they're playing, you don't think of them as able to do that like i never would have known that scarlett johansson could sing and sing that well because i'd only ever seen her in action movies yeah, so i never would have thought it was something she could do it's when you look at them doing something you're like hold on wait he's really good at that how mm-hmm. <laughs> like um for example you ever heard of a tv series that was on oof that's been, oof, it's been finished for about seven years now but um it's called white collar it had it's called um, what? White collar. It had Matt Bomer and Tim Decay in it, and I don't there was... think I've seen that, but I think my, I think my parents have. But um, in it, they're obviously um, like he's known for being like a really good criminal, and he's really good at his acting. But then there was one episode where you briefly hear him singing, and you're like, oh "My God, this guy can sing!" <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting. Yeah, it's always funny to see them doing things you don't associate with the characters they've played and realizing they have more hidden talents than you think. Unless it's a Disney movie, because the chances are you'll hear them sing anyway. 
Exactly, exactly. Although they like to, for some reason, when it comes to their live action adaptions, they like to pick and choose which song is actually going to make it. Uh, I have a few personal feelings about that. <laughs> but. I mean, I quite liked um, Hugh McGregor as Lumiere just because, you know, I ken that guy's Obi Wan Kenobi. And right now he's talking about someone being a guest at a fictional castle. Mm. That movie in particular kind of hits a sore spot with me, particularly because I was a fan of the animated movie. And I was also a big fan of the Broadway musical. And it was, it was good. I was more interested in musically what they did in the underscoring with the Broadway songs. Like, for example, one of my favorite moments in the movie is when they show Belle to her new room in the castle. They play the melody for a song called home from the broadway musical yeah which is right after Belle loses her father and it is one of my favorite songs from the musical and i was so glad to see it integrated into the movie even though it wasn't actually sung it was great to be there but then you get you get movies like aladdin where there were so many great songs in the musical and they used absolutely none of them I think Speechless was a fantastic song, but I absolutely love These Palace Walls as well, which is an absolutely spectacular piece from the musical that they easily could have used. I mean, for me, when it comes to Aladdin, like the one, like there's, I personally think there's quite a few flaws with that film, but Mm. this isn't just a thing to do with like thinking that Robin Williams is better, but I just think that Will Smith's version of um, Friend Like Me. It sounds like he's trying to do another version of YouTube Rewind. Like, yeah, no, no disrespect to him. He's a great actor and all that, and he he can sing. But I just think that that song wasn't right for him, and they should have had another actor in the role. Mm. But then again, when I it feel came like to the Mulan adaptation. No, go they got rid of Mushu. <laughs> the Mulan adaptation, to my knowledge, they were going more based on the original source material than they were on the movie they made which seemed to be the direction they were taking with a lot of the live adaptions the the live action adaptions um they tended to resort towards the original source material like the reference to the rose in beauty and the beast when her father goes to pick the rose out of the garden in the live uh, in the live action version, that was something from the original s- French story of Beauty and the Beast. Or in Cinderella, talking about more about her father and talking more about her relationship with him and how the stepsisters weren't ugly. They were actually beautiful. They were just ugly inside. Th- those inclusions in the stories made them a little bit different but not different enough that you couldn't compare them to the animated versions which i almost wish that they took it that step further and made them more towards the source material and less towards the animated movies 
because then they would have been different stories then they cut, in their like, own the rights. In the original. Hmm? Didn't they like cut part of their feet off to fit in a slipper in the original? Yes. So the stepsisters, they cut either their toe or their heel off. And so, it wasn't until the prince noticed the blood cup coming from the slipper that he realized that they had tricked him. How stupid. How daft is that prince that took him that long to notice? I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a rhetorical question. It's like, how much of an idiot is this guy? Well, the other thing you take into consideration is like, how bad is your memory that you can't even remember what the girl looks like? She was literally, it's literally a lassie. If you, you, we're going to compare it to what we see in the animated movie. It's literally a lassie in a kind of like light blue dress with blondish hair. If you're not going to notice that when you go to check people's, for some reason, people's feet, because this prince has a very weird obsession. Um, mm -hmm. But if you don't remember that, like you shouldn't really be going looking for this lassie because that means you've been paying attention to something else that wasn't her looks or that wasn't right. her face. Yeah. You shouldn't be trying a shoe on a brunette or a redhead if you danced with a blonde. That's it's counterintuitive at that point because you're not going to find her because she doesn't look right but it, it's always kind of interesting and some stories try to say oh the magic masks what cinderella looks like bollocks yeah i don't know if i believe that <laughs> either that's just the thing i'd use that's bollocks it's rubbish yeah, Some yeah it, it, it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense like, I can't believe that we're almost at the, we're at the one hour and 50 mark almost, and I think we've actually almost covered everything. Almost, yeah. We've yeah covered a lot. Been, I mean, the, the, let's be honest, if we were able to record more than two hours, we would be recording this for about eight hours. Probably. But I mean, then well, you would never sleep, and I would never sleep. But then, you know, we, we, we'd be making a really interesting episode of a podcast, though. I, I mean, it, it's that. great. <laughs> You know what? I I would lose sleep sleep for that. That would that would uh that would be something interesting to do. <laughs> so why were you so tired today at work? Oh, I'm, I was on a Scottish guy's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> My coworkers would probably just step over me sleeping on the floor at that point. If that doesn't wake you up, then I envy how you sleep. <laughs> I would love to be able to go to sleep and be able to just sleep while people trample over me. Usually there aren't that many people. There, there are never that many people on staff where I'd be getting stepped over all day. It would most likely be like every hour or so somebody would come across me. No, most oh, likely. Is she dead or asleep? <laughs> Is it oh, Sleeping yeah. Beauty? Do we have to find a prince for her? No. You just wake up like, I don't need no friends, leave me alone. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> well, that, this has been very, very fun. Mm, definitely. Yeah, I mean, it's a vast Courtney as well. Um, if you, you were asked, would you um, want to come back on? Absolutely. Yes. This is That's way too much fun. No, it's like we've already got a sequel planned, guys. <laughs> And unlike Mary Poppins, it's not going to be released like 57 years later and be absolutely terrible compared to the first, but you know. 
okay, okay. We don't have to go there. I thought I, I thought of all the Mary Pop or of all the remakes that they made, Mary Poppins was actually my favorite. I mean, if you compare, when you get a sequel, especially this long after, when it's, I think in a way, it's also meant to be like a soft reboot, you have to compare it to the original. And when it's such an iconic film, usually remakes or sequels these days don't hold up to the original. Like the films on its own, it's good. And for people that have just heard of Mary Poppins, that would be good. But compare it to the original, it is nothing compared to it. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that it's better than the original. However, I will say that with everything now and all the technology we have, I don't think it's better per se, but I do think it carries on the magic of Mary Poppins. In my opinion, obviously they couldn't have Julie Andrews come and uh, reprise the role. I think Emily Blunt did a fantastic job of embodying the character. Um, She made it her own, obviously, because you have to put your own take on it as a performer. But I think, I I think they did a pretty spectacular job with the new story that they created. If they tried to remake it like brick by brick and try and make the exact same story, I probably would not have the same opinion of it. However, based on everything that they did do, I feel like they did a lot right with the new story as opposed to what they've done with the other live-action remakes where they pretty much take the same story and twist a few little parts of it. This was a new story. Yeah. And I did like the continuation of the story. It's like any sequel. Does it live up to the original? Not always. But I think it did a pretty good job compar- comparatively to what Disney has done in the past. Well, if you're going to talk about sequels that do well compared to like, the predecessors, you just have to think of pretty much every Marvel movie. Like, yeah, Iron yeah. Iron Man 2, like, everyone knows that Iron Man 2 is not a very good film, but if you think Iron Man 3 it improves on what Iron Man 2 did wrong, Avengers mm-hmm. 1, that came out in 2012, was great. Avengers Age of Ultron was good, but it wasn't as great. But then you get Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame being probably some of the best Marvel movies we're going to get at all, just compared mm-hmm. to what we... No, absolutely. I think Disney is playing with especially with the marvel franchise they're starting to figure out how to make sequels as continuations of the same story star wars yeah and now that now that they're they're learning how to make sequels and make sequels at least able to stand up to the name of the first one Maybe not as good, but still enough to stand up and handle the weight of how good the first one was. They're yeah. going to be able to do more in the future with it. Yeah. I think so that's actually, pretty Three seconds, two, one. We're now at one hour and 55 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's actually everything we need to cover because I'll need like a minute or so to. Um, Right to speak about like what the 
what's it called the like the intro and the outro and things like that mm-hmm. yeah this is this has been a lot of fun it's been fantastic thank you for having me thanks for coming on i was going to say if you've got any like social media like tiktok or that you want to promote feel free to do that now. um yeah absolutely so i am eileen dingus on tiktok and i am e dingus 1197 on instagram so feel free to go and follow me there thanks so much people in the bio are gonna see when they read this it's like hold on this says her name is eileen rose (laughs) yes so um my last name is dingus and as a performer i go by eileen rose because it's a little bit easier to say that's all (laughs) i mean it makes sense but that's (laughs) Right, yeah, um, I think that's that's pretty much us. So yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. I'll see you. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Well, that was a very interesting episode. Um, uh, for, just so people know, I'm sitting cross-legged on my bed, and my knees are in absolute agony. So this is worth a sacrifice of my knees. But yeah, I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode. I'll probably see if I can get Eileen to come on in a future episode, maybe before the end of the year. I'm trying to get Sean back on, and we've got another couple of guests as well. I believe that we're going to try and get Anna on the show, but unfortunately she's been unable to appear recently. But yeah, I, I had a lot of fun recording this, and if anyone wants to check out her so, um, Eileen's social media, please just give it a quick listen, check it out, and... Uh, Until the next time, lads. See you later.